Thank you for downloading Nine Days, Nine Podcasts, a production of Purdue's North America. This special series is a curated collection of premium Tisha B'Av content from the Pardes archives. We hope it brings additional meaning to these solemn days. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening. And now, Nine Days, Nine Podcasts. I want to start with uh, the two little pieces of halakha. One, Rav Soloveitchik talks about... Uh, about this period as an inverse of the morning period, the, first, the three weeks between Tisha B'Av, uh, between Sheva Sarbat Tammuz and Tisha B'Av are the Shloshim, the week in which the, the 30 days after the death, uh, after experiencing a death, the seven, the week, this week, uh, the week that Tisha B'Av falls in is the week of sitting Shiva. And today is um, Tisha B'Av is like the day that we're in Aninut, the day of the funeral. And I think the, the Shulchan Aruch says that you're not supposed to greet people on, uh, on Tisha B'Av. And, um, you know, when we go into a Shiva house, we, we wait for the person to speak to us, you know, the, per, the mourner, to... The mourner is feeling pain and can't express out. You don't walk in and say, hi, how are you doing? I'm so happy to see you. You let them set the tone. And here we're all mourners. And so we're sort of stuck. And in the sense that we're mourners, we, we need each other. So it's like we're so happy to be with the people. I mean, comforted to be with people that are dear in our lives and that we haven't seen in a long time. There's hundreds and hundreds of people in this building right now. So that means that you're going to see people that you haven't seen um, and that give you warm comfort. And we're here to comfort each other in a time that's difficult for each other. And at the same time, we're not going to give big... Or we want to be sensitive to each other. You know, obviously, Cardiz is a non-coercive institution, but I think that they're, they're the natural inclination that we have to reach out and give someone a big hug and say hello because we love that person. We have to sort of feel how we're going to check that today and, and, uh, and, be, and know that we're together and that that's meaningful and comforting and also at the same time that, uh, that it's not a regular social day. We want it to, we're here because we want to make it a day that's meaningful and a day that's special and a day that's heavy. Um, so that's the first halacha. Um, if someone, the if someone the Shulchan Aruch, the Mishnah Bura deals with, well, what do you do when someone, right? Because it will inevitably happen. Because we'll be so happy to see people that we haven't seen in a long time, and we'll give them a big hug, and we'll just acknowledge. Okay, we'll just acknowledge. And if there's someone came to you and you don't want to give them a big hug, you'll, it's Tisha B'Av, so I can't acknowledge. I re, right, but we'll just make that space for each other as much as we can possibly support one another um, on this difficult day. Obviously, because the Mishnah Burr makes a point. We don't want to create enmity, right? Like the last thing we need on this day is to insult one another also. <laughs> so we'll try to, you know, with the, le- with the leaning towards not creating enmity on this day, we want to be uh, make that our, our central point. And the second halacha uh, in the Mishnah Burr, in the Shulchan Aruch, is that you're not allowed to learn Torah this day. There's uh, on on Tisha B'Av the Lumdim Torah, 
not Torah, not Nevi'im, and not Divrei Chazal. And what are you allowed to learn? You're allowed to learn things that are, t- that are difficult. And, and, the, and the Shulchan Aruch says, if there are psukei nechama, you have to skip them. You have to skip the psukei nechama. And when I, I was preparing this, you know, like the regular way you prepare for a share long after I'd already uh, submitted this source sheet. Um, and the, uh, there's another halacha, which the Mishnah Burr also brings down, but I'll say it first, first from the Rambam. The Rambam says, Yesham Yamim Shekol, this is, it's not on your source sheet, I'm going to read it. Yesham Yamim Shekol Yisrael Mintanim Behem Mipnei Yitzarot She'eru Behem. There are the days of, it's in the fifth parak of, of fasts. There are days that all of Israel fasts because of the bad things that happened to the Jews on those days. And now it says, And the point of the fasting is to wake up our hearts and to open up the paths of tshuva. And it's supposed to help us, to remind us of the, of our wrong deeds. And the things that our forefathers did that, are as if we ourselves did them. Um, but, uh, these are the things that caused us to have these pains. So we want to, we want to remember that we're here to fast, to remember the pain so that we can remember uh, that we want to do tshuva. And uh, the, the Mishnah Burra adds to that. He says... Um, um, and therefore, every person has to like really focus themselves on these days to uh, to in, to think about our deeds and to do repentance because that the main thing is not about the fast; it's about the uh, the tshuva that we're going to do. Um, um, just like we saw with Nineveh that they fasted, but God saw their deeds, not their fast, but their deeds. Right? It doesn't say they saw their, their, uh, that, they were, that they were fasting. The deeds they were doing. The, the fast is only about preparing for the tshuva. So I... I've uh, I've been working. We've been talking in our family a lot. You know, Yerushalayim is a beautiful city, and we live in historical where I guess most of us, most all of us here are native English speakers, who have like feel there's no greater scope than that we have to live at this moment in history, uh, to be part of building this country, and when I look in this country, I see redemption. I see the beginning of redemption. An, un- an uncomplete redemption, no question about it. Um, but I see this is a day, you know, if, there, if, if Yom Kippur is a day of person, that, of course there's a lot, as you know, a lot, a mirror between Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. And Yom Kippur is a day of personal tshuva, every one of us gets forgiveness. And I, I'd like to think of Tisha B'Av as a national day of Cheshbon Nefesh. A day that we all are said we are like thinking about ourselves as a nation and how do we move forwards and I want that to be the way we approach this learning and I I went to Chumrah. There, there, 
there's no such thing as being machmir that doesn't have a kula and a kula that doesn't have a chumrah. You know, a leniency. When you're lenient on one thing, you're strict on another. When you're strict on one thing, you're lenient on another. In this case, I chose to be lenient on Torah and machmer on um, on tshuva. And just thinking and reflecting, because reflecting, we have to go that way. So anything that you might find enjoyable or comforting in this shiur, you have to immediately channel it into that direction of... Uh, of uh, how am I turning that? How, how is this part of a cheshvod nefesh, of a, of a self-reflection? Um, so uh, that's my way of apologizing uh, for anyone I greet today and anyone that uh, I make happy with my Torah. The, <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll start with the joke. You, probably, you know it already. You know it because I... Um, how many Jewish mothers does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. Zero. That's all right, dear. That's all right, dear. I'll sit in the dark. Okay. The um, it, that, this is a, how many of you knew that Jewish joke before you walked in here? Okay, not everybody knew this joke, but most of you had it like it's either number seven or number 13, and this is a sort of, it's a mantra that we have, um, something that I work with a lot in my own life, you know, like, why, why do you have to martyr yourself? I'm not, so the, uh, um, the, the, this, a joke can be explored is a text which can be explored like other texts and Pardes is a place where we like to mine our tradition for cultural capital and have deep thinking about our own traditions I don't want to overdo it with this joke okay it's misogynist um, it's a little funny uh, Jews are funny people but I think that there's that um, we love darkness there's something about us that loves darkness we're, we're still fasting Six, uh, for this day, after all of these years. Um, and I want to, and the fact that we're still fasting 70 years after the birth of our state is, um, it's not unusual. That's our Jewish tradition. And so I want to like a little bit explore that Jewish tradition. Um, what are the ways in which uh, we see exile, our, seeing ourselves as exile, as a central motif in our tradition. Maybe I'll just, uh, it comes up in the liturgy. Well, you know, of course, I have, a, when you walk in the ha- in my house, some of you have been there, right on the left, there's a place where the page is peeled, right? And it's a Zechel Yerushalayim. I've got a beautiful house in Jerusalem with a fig tree. And I, I don't have a fig tree. I wanted to plant a fig tree, but instead I planted an apricot tree and a, uh, and a plum tree and a grapevine, Ishtachat. Tenato no, the opposite direction. And the uh, I um, uh, there's something very powerful about that. But um, but I still have that place, uh, that ama alama. Uh, when you walk into my house, that Jerusalem is uh, is unredeemed. Uh, so where do we see that in in the liturgy? Let's just make a. I right, put one on the board for you to get you started. Okay, here it is from the Shmonas, right? Three times a day. Uh, God to Jerusalem, please return. Um, 
and dwell in it like, like, you, like you promised us. And build it up quickly. A permanent building in our day. Um, and of course, Kisei David Avdecha. And please restore the monarchy. Uh, where else in the liturgy do we see this motif that we're in exile? What? Return your soul in your Shekinah to Jerusalem. This is building Jerusalem. That's returning. You return your Shekinah. Yofi. Beautiful. Where else? What? Oh, that didn't come off. Can you do that for me? <laughs> you got it. Okay, good. Um, and, uh, oh, but you, that's not the one you were talking about. You were talking about the last, which is the last pasuk from Echa. But we put it into the central piece. It's the second yes. last pasuk in Echa. We put it to the center of our uh, liturgy. Um, uh, the uh, into the center of our liturgy. Hashivenu uh, Hashem. Okay, so you see why I don't teach tonight singing for a living. <laughs> we're good. Um, the temperature, the temperature in here is good, right? They were checking to see how our temperature is. Um, uh, what, another one. Give me another one. Mindy. Two, we have which is later in and the whole of Musaf is all about the carbonate that we used to bring and we can't anymore. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, anyone else want to share one? Here, Katamazon. Beautiful. Okay, the third paragraph, the fourth paragraph. Uvre uh, Yerushalayim, the fourth parak is all about, uh, it was set for, uh, it's a remembrance of Betar, which also happened today, we'll be talking about a little bit more shortly. Sanes l'kabetzkelu etenu, hashivenu shoftenu kivarishona, okay, the l'chadodi, uh, there's almost nothing really in our in our liturgy, which is not like hearkening to Yemehem Kikedem and the time where things were better and uh, how we want to go back there. Um, so, I mean, I think we can all agree that our reality is completely imperfect. Uh, but I think there's, a, there's, another, there's another message that it used to be better, that there was some ideal world that used to exist, that we wish we were there again. Um, and so now I want to think about how did we get there? Okay, how do we find ourselves in this situation? Um, and with that, I want to, uh, well, let's first, let the, let's look at, before, we, before I send you to Chavruta, or let you turn to your, each other for five minutes in Chavruta, um, let's look at source number one on your source sheet. Um, the... Uh, Minayin she'en mamitin ela bifnei habayit. Well, we look at it, what is it that we lost with the Horban? Okay, it's not just a beautiful building. 
we, we have lost also the ability, it says, from whence do we know that one executes only when the temple exists? Okay, in the time of the temple, you can exist. You can, you can have capital punishment. Talmud Lomer, right? from, uh, from my altar, you, can ta- you should take him to die. If someone deserves to die, you should take them. For, even if they're taking sanctuary refuge on the Karnot of Izbech, you, if they deserve to die, you'll take them from there. But that seems to mean, ha, im yesh Mizbech, If there's a Mizbech that they could have theoretically, of course they're not taking, if they could have theoretically grabbed onto the Karnot Mizbech, then you could execute them. And if not, you can't execute them. Okay, that's the limud. You probably are all familiar with the principle before you come here that you can't execute people when there's not when we don't have the temple. But that's the limud for it. Okay, can we just get at for a second what is the um, the thinking behind it? Like, wh- why does that make sense? Because you could only have an element of divine justice in the temple, and you can't be sure if the person's really guilty. Okay, because God lives in the temple and God is truth with a capital T and justice with a capital J and when we sit there okay we uh, we are the seat of divine justice on earth proof of our chosenness of God's presence of justice which belongs to the king and we are the representative of the ruler right that's what we can do when we're there okay um, anybody want to add to that I know you're hungry. <laughs> it's a very, that's the main answer. I think I'm going yeah, Mindy, you want to add? You could sort of say we don't have true, complete sovereignty if we don't have a temple, and unless we have sovereignty, it's inappropriate to have... Beautiful. Okay, that's what I have here for, for in my number three, which is the, the corollary of what you've said is is the is that um, is that we have a legitimate government. This is the symbol of our legitimate government, and in some ways, we aren't a full legitimate government without that. And so, so we need that in order to to execute people. And I, I would just add that the altar is a symbol of protection and atonement and capital punishment i know this is, is somehow connected to that kind of atonement it's a little self sacrifice right that we do there before the grace of god go i right that's the that's the sacrifice you put your hands on the sacrifice and you sacrifice the sacrifice because it's dying in your place mm-hmm. but when you die in your place okay you also are getting kapara you're getting atonement for your sins and uh, and the that's the that is the idea. That's the theoretical just. That's the justification that the Torah puts forward for how you can execute someone just to punish them. Okay, we don't we don't do that. The uh, just to punish someone, just to take out our our societal rage. That wouldn't make sense. But to um, uh, but but to have the uh, to have a sense that they can atone for that person can atone for this their sins we as a community can atone for shofech dam ha dam b'damu yishafach the kibbutz zelbelo kibbutz adam the okay so now I want I'm going to just so that that's why we need the the bite in order to execute someone and I want to and. I want to like just spend a few minutes thinking in now um, on the loss of the temple 
as it relates or the loss of our jurisdiction. Okay, this was my starting point for thinking about this issue because I wrote my dissertation on capital on criminal punishment, rabbinic criminal, rabbinic criminal punishment in the Talmudic period, and the rabbis basically like. You know, you're familiar with this. We don't do any of the things that it says in the Torah. And, and the reason why we don't do anything in the, that it says in the Torah to punish people for their crimes is because we think we don't have the power, um, to, the, the authority to do those things. And, um, and so we made up other punishments in their stead because we have to function as a world and how are we going to function as a society. Um, but... It's interesting to me that the rabbis, they embraced this. They, did, they, they made up something new, and they put the other things aside. They said, like, we can't do these things in the Torah. So I want to just take a few of the key sources on why did the rabbis say, we can't do, um, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't claim that authority that comes with having the Sanhedrin at the temple. Um, so you look at the sources number two and number three. The source number three, um, the core story in there is a story about the um, about Betar, okay, about the Bar Kokhba revolt. But when we talk about there, there are five things that happened on this terrible day. Okay, do we remember what they are? Should we do a little review exercise? Let's see if collectively as a room we can get them all five. Uh, what are the things that happened on this terrible day? The Inquisition. The Inquisition? I only got up to the Mishnah. <laughs> that would be some, of course. <laughs> so I'm, going, I'm citing from the five that are cited in the Mishnah. Um, uh, okay, what? Chetzamaraglin, that's the first one. Okay, the 12 spies. The Luchot Abrit happened on Yud Zayn Bitzambuz, but very good. You were listening in school. Um, the, uh, it's like, you know, it works all one long period. They're, all, they're related, of course. We'll talk about that later. Um, the, uh, okay, the big ones. Bar Kokhba revolt. Okay, that's, they call that Betar. Okay, and that's what we're on. That's the one that we're going to have here. And in between that, of course, Nechrav HaBaita Rishon Vasheni. And the last one is Yerushalayim was, um, was plowed over. Okay, so you could. We did it as a group. Good. The, um, so um, so this, this, the main story in number three is a story of the Bar Kokhba revolt, which also happened today. It's, it's a difficult story. Um, but also a telling story. I give you five minutes, your chavrutas, somebody on your right or on your left. Don't Obviously, you can't move too much in this space, but just uh, look at, enjoy that story and think about how are we relating to our criminal, our authority, our authority to punish criminally. Okay, I'm going to bring everyone back together. Thank you. I know it's not easy to pull you away. Um, so, uh, look, you're familiar with this. The, uh, these are well-known, um, but we see them with a little bit different eyes when we read them today, I think. Um, Forty years before that, I just saw me. Forty years before the destruction of the temple, capital cases were taken from Israel. Okay, capital cases were taken from Israel. Right, the and in the days of of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, monetary cases were taken from the from Israel. Okay, that um, so we're, we're victims. 
This is something that happened to us, right? But then the Yerushalmi pipes in. Rashbi said, We didn't have it in us anyway. Okay, we weren't smart enough. Well, we, 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 I, that's a literal translation. We weren't smart enough, but meaning we couldn't handle the responsibility mm-hmm. that was involved. And so what you have here in the Yerushalmi already, and is much more pronounced in the Bafli, is the sense of tension between, on the one hand, oh my gosh, we are victims. It's being taken away from us and steadily taken away from us. First, we're losing our chance to... Uh, to do capital cases in, let's say, the year 30. And, then, and of course, lots can be written about that. Now, thousands, but thousands of pages have been, because, of course, at the end of 40 years, because I hear over there Jesus was killed in 33, and we lost our chance to do capital punishment in 30. So it's definitely not our fault, and I think that's good. <laughs> We should hold on to that, but the but the but that but that's not the point of the thing here. Okay, the point here. What's forty? What? Forty years we were wandering in the desert. Why were we wandering in the desert for forty years? What? It's a lifetime. It's a forty weeks of pregnancy, my friend. It's a you're right. It's like a whole. But that's what it's a. It's a. uh, What do we call that? Gesticulation. The gestation. Gestation. (laughs) (laughs) The gestation. Okay, I was just to see if you guys were watching. (laughs) It's not easy. So the uh, so it's it's a period of gestation, and there's a uh, and things are cooking up. The destruction of the temple is something that's cooking up for us um, for 40 years before it happens. Our exile isn't something that was born in a day, but something that was that gestated and then was born. And we're victims on the one hand of it. On the other hand, okay, that, and, it's, and then after, right, 70, the destruction. 135, the Bar Kokhba revolt, <laughs> the loss of, right, in, in the time of Rashbi, the loss of our last sense of independence, mm-hmm. and and Rashbi says at the end of it, Baruch Hashem, okay, we're powerless, but Baruch Hashem, and uh, you see something very similar in this next source. Rav Kahana says, Keshechala Rabbi Yishmael Barabiosi, Shachule. When Rabbi Rabbi Yishmael got sick, so they sent him Rabbi and Morlan Ushnaim Shloshat Varim Shemarta Lan Mishuma Vicha. Can you share some of those stories right now, Rabbi Yosi Ben Chalafta? We're talking here about somebody who is like he remembers the good old days. That's what we think is like. Let's call on him to help us. When, we're, we see the loss with the death of Rabbi Yishmael. We're going to lose not only Rabbi Yishmael, but also Rabbi Yossi ben Chalafta. We're going to lose these old traditions. And it turns out, I would have thought, where it's like, we're gonna, we want to remember the good old days, the times when the temple still existed. But interestingly, the, the, story, the traditions that he shares with us are, are exactly the opposite traditions. When did he live? I didn't write it down here, so I'm afraid to mouth off. It's being recorded. Will you look it up for me on Google? The, <laughs> the, um, the um, uh, so the, um, 
Um, the uh, did you find it already? Um, when, <laughs> 180 years before the temple was destroyed, the evil empire spread over Israel. Right, things are already starting to get worse. We feel the heat dar de root hadorot. You've got to love it. Heat dar de root hadorot. Things are always getting. The, what does it mean? Generations. Things are dis, are degenerating. Things are getting worse all the time. And uh, the um, and forty years before the destruction of the temple, the Sanhedrin galta Sanhedrin v'yeshva lebachanut. Okay, the Sanhedrin will do galta exiled exiled. So it's already it's a little bit ambiguous. But, but we have this idea, I don't, okay, I'm leaving it holding because it becomes clear. They couldn't, they couldn't judge uh, cases of fines, which seems to be similar to monetary cases, but it could be that there's a difference. Between, I mean, for sure, there's a difference in the, in the Gemara, there's a difference between Dine Knesset and Dine Mamanot. Um, Dine Knesset, Nida Sanhedrin, Dine Mamanot uh, can be judged by, never mind. They said the uh, Amari. Here's the story. Um, We remember this guy for the good, Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava, that if it weren't for him, then we would have have lost our ability to judge fines. What? We would just learn them. We wouldn't, why would we forget them? We'll just learn them. No, no, no. We'll learn the rules. Of course, we'll keep learning the rules. But, uh, the, uh, but we, would, uh, we wouldn't be able to do them. Why? Because that everyone who is, uh, anyone who gives smicha, ordains somebody, shall be killed. Everyone who gets smicha shall be killed. Any city that has, um, that gives, that has smicha take place in its uh, boundaries will be destroyed. And anything, even in the metropolitan area, will be uprooted. Okay, so that is to say communal punishment. You, if you take it upon yourself uh, to give smicha, you can expect everyone in your midst to suffer. And Masar Rabbi ben Bava, he goes halach ve'yashav ben shnei harim gedolim. He sit u'ben shnei ayarok gedolot. He went uh, and sat in between, in the middle of nowhere, in no man's land. Ben shnei tukumei Shabbat, ben ushalish varam, v'samach shem chamishas keinib, and he ordained five rabbis. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi, Sh- Rabbi Shimon, um, Rabbi, um, uh, Rabbi, Eli- Rabbi Lazar ben Shemua, and, uh, and maybe even also Rabbi Nechemiah. Um, right, as soon as they, they got word, or they, they, the lookout says, people are, the, the enemies are coming. Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava says, run for your lives! They said, Rabbi! Matielecha, right? You have to remember the scene. Okay, of course, you get the scene. It's like, you know, the, the, uh, somebody in, in his 70s is giving smicha, and, and he's 
the young guys are the, you know, they're young guys. So they say, he says to them, run for your lives. And he says, I can't do anything. There's a, I am a rock that can't, no matter, you can't turn me over. Okay. But you guys run for your lives. Um, and they made it away. I am just emphasizing reading it so we can sort of feel like this is this is what we were enduring. Not just that they, the, before the 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 five of them had made their escape, and but before Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava had moved, they, um, the uh, the Romans came and they penetrated his body with three hundred spears um, and made his body into a sieve. Okay, that was the kind of they they brutalized his body so that we had a spiritual persecution, a uh, a physical persecution in every way. This and this is this is the the little things that we're that we're commemorating today. These are the little things we're commemorating today. Um, the uh, um, but what you hear, but what you feel, is the sense of how big we don't have a full understanding of mazasmicha. Okay, what is this thing called ordination? The, the real thing of ordination. Okay, the real thing of ordination that you can sit on the Sanhedrin. It has to do with the ability to, to, to judge knasot, we see here. The ability to do capital cases, maybe the ability... There, it's, it's, not, it's controversial. What are the various things that you need smicha for? But you see that smicha was considered so important that it was really willing, it was worth taking this, it, that, the, that the Romans were willing to go to this, to this huge extent in order to keep us from having it, and we were fighting for our lives, but like really clinging to our tradition and doing what absolutely needed to do, even willing to murder ourselves in order to hold on to it, because that is our autonomy and that is our sense of uh, our tradition, of preserving our tradition. Um, and so that's what makes this next piece so crazy, right? Because what that is is about holding on to our sense that we have a chain of tradition that represents justice with a capital J and truth with a capital T. Forget the cat. I, I, let's assume, right? It's about the symbol of our the depth of our of our authority. Um, and uh, and Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says. Uh, so, like, obviously, it's not about Dine Knasso because we held on to our Dine Knasso. Rather, Shalodano Dine Nefashot, 40 years before the temple was destroyed, the Sanhedrin Galta, my time, why the Sanhedrin was exiled, they stopped, they stopped doing capital punishments. That's yeah, because of the Mechilta that we saw. But this line, they saw that there were so many murderers, they couldn't really uh, judge them properly, and they said, Mutav Let, let's put ourselves in exile. Let's give up our, 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 our autonomy, our legitimacy, our symbol of divine truth, and where we sit, um, our connection to God, right? That's really about our connection to God. Um, the... Uh, so that we won't have, so that we won't have to uh, convict people. That uh, you'll do according to what uh, um, what is told you from that place, which shows that the place is essential. 
right, to our ability to judge. Okay, so you can hear two things on this day that's Tisha B'Av. One is, oh my gosh, look how important, the, what is it that we're mourning? Okay, someone asked me last night, how do I feel about the third temple and where does the third temple fit into my relationship to Tisha B'Av? You see here that it's not about the, it's not about the building, Okay, it's about the makom, about the connection that that is about having direct the ability to directly speak to God. Tishko matocha kasher dibarta. God dwell in that place like you promised, so that we can have access to you, God, so that we can have that sense of legitimacy, and we have lost our legitimacy. So that this we've that's what Tisha B'av is is about loss of our national autonomy and and our and our divine authority and we've lost that and yet 40 years before the Sanhedrin decided yalla let's go we can't we can't bear to have it it's too much pressure for us let's give it up and go by ourselves Okay, so there, there's tension in this story between, on the one hand, Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava, who's willing to sacrifice himself to hold on to that tradition. But you know, we don't know exactly what happened, but, but, you all, but you, you're, we're aware that it wasn't long before we lost our smicha. Okay, the, we've got the, our ability also to ordain. It's not exactly clear when that happens, but towards the end, uh, in er- of course, Eretz Yisrael lost its... Uh, Primacy vis-a-vis Bavel. In Bavel, there is no such thing as ordination, and so there is, it's something that only happens in Eretz Israel. So, as the strength of our tradition moved to Bavel, we lost that power anyway. And then, and the rabbis uh, who are who are finished, who are how do you say that? Editing this, redacting this story, are well uh, redacting the Gemara. Are well aware that this is what they, Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava thought that this was so important, but we've already lost it. By the time it's being or by the time this story has been redacted, it's already long gone. Okay, so we're holding on to, on the one hand, this is something so very precious, Hamakom Goreim, the smicha chain of tradition, connection with God. On the other hand, we can't handle this authority. We're going to go into exile by choice. All right, I just, I'm going to, like, I, you see in source number four that it's not just here. It's also um, with Misha Rabu Haretz Khanim Batlu. Okay, paying attention to my time. i got to keep moving. The, you see it with the uh, murderers became numerous. They got rid of the Egla Rufa, the breaking of the red heifer, which was a way of us getting communal... Uh, uh, also in the same time period, by the way. Uh, similarly, when adulterers became ner- too nervous, the bitter water ceased, right? We couldn't use the sota. Again, it's a way of saying whether you, these punishments or these ordeals are symbolic of an ability to access divine truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and Rabbi, and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, abolished them. Okay, he said, forget about it. We can't do it. So there's, there's, two, we, um, there's two pieces. On the one hand, we have been, we're being victimized again and again. Terrible things are happening to us. We're constantly going into exile. On the other hand, we sort of like embrace it in this crazy way. Um, and I want to show you that also with, restric- with respect to destruction of the temple. Um, uh, source number along number seven uh, all right this famous source I'm gonna assume a little bit of familiarity with it um, 
we'll talk about it again uh, at one o'clock in the next panel. Um, we'll be, uh, I'll be teaching this, the first part of the story that's not on your source sheet now, but you'll remember that uh, um, things were, the Jerusalem was under siege. Things were very, very terrible. There was horrible hunger. Um, uh, the Jews couldn't get along. We were infighting. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was trying to convince them, let's make a deal. And there was no deal to be made. And so Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, what does he do? He sneaks out of the city. How does he sneak out of the city? In a coffin. Okay, he climbed into the coffin, my friends. Okay, the coffin is a symbol. Okay, it's a symbol of the death of Yerushalayim. Um... And he climbs into it himself. And then, of course, he gets out. There's a symbol of the resurrection also. Okay, but the, the, uh, um, but I, I'm going, so then when he gets out, he, he meets, as you know, with Vespasian, um, and he says to Vespasian, peace unto you, right, to, you're the king. And Vespasian says, oh, what are you talking about? Um, what happened to my underlining here? Boy. Um, the <laughs> I'm sorry that it's not underlined because it's going to make a little. I'm going to I have to skip. He the he has a little bit of an encounter with um, Vespasian, uh, trying to con- Vespasian says, "If I'm the king, why didn't you come here before? If I'm the king, um, and how do you know that I'm the king?" And 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 Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai knows how to cite the sur- the the uh, um, cite the sources to prove that he's the king. And now I'm at the bigger inter the. Jump. As for your question, the next paragraph insert. As for your question, why, if you are a king, I did not come to you till now? The answer is that the Birione among us did not let us. They, we, there were those zealots, and they were, they wouldn't let us go out because they wanted us to fight. And he said to them, "Okay." Vespasian says to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, "If there's a jar of honey round which a serpent is wound, right? The jar of honey is." Jerusalem, okay? The serpent is the Baryonim, the zealots. Would you not break the jar to get rid of the serpent? Don't you have to burst out of the walls of Jerusalem in order to do what you have to do in order to get to get rid of those Baryonim and come to me, I'm the king, okay? Says Vespasian. Um, and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai could give no answer. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the year 70, right? Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef, or some say Rabbi Akiva, but either way, it's either it's either 135 or it's uh, or it's uh, 300, um, said 300 and, or even later. Um, applied to him the verse: "God turn wise, turn the wise backward, and make their foolish knowledge." Meaning, God really tripped him up. What was wrong with Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai that he didn't have an answer? He ought to have said, we take a pair of tongs and grip the snake and kill it and leave the jar intact. Like, when you, meaning, you Vespasian, you've got tongs. Use those tongs against the Birionim, against the zealots, and uh, leave Jerusalem in place. Don't destroy Jerusalem because of these rotten thugs. Okay, it's a few bad apples. Oh, my gosh, the, the uh, you know, I think about it. This siege is just a few bad apples. Do something about the few bad apples. Take out the zealots, but don't make all the people suffer because of that, says Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Then um, the, uh, um, so that's what Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yosef think that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai should have said, but Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai doesn't say it. 
Listen to this again. At this point, the messenger comes to the Rome saying uh, the Rome, the emperor is dead and they want to make you the head. And Vespasian says, wow, you're so smart. You anticipated exactly what was going to come. Um, uh, why didn't you come to me to now? And he says, I already told you. He says, but I told you, you should have come. If I'm the king and you're so smart to anticipate where things are coming, you should have come. Okay, he says, fine. I'm going to take over as Caesar. However, I, and I'm, somebody's going to come and take my place, right? Meaning, Jerusalem, I'm going to, I have a spaceship I'm leaving right now, but uh, uh, Jerusalem is still going. Um, you get, but you, you did, you're, you're pretty smart. Make one wish, and I will grant it. And this is, everybody knows what he says, his brilliant, his, the thing he says at this time. Give me Yavna v'chochomeha. And the family, as it is here in this version of the story, the family of Rabban Gamliel and a physician to, to heal Rav Tzadok. And here, Rav Yosef and Rav Akiva, um, some say Rav Akiva, applied to him the verse again. Um, what was wrong with you, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai, at that moment? If you have one wish, don't ask for a hundred dollars. Okay? Ask for a million dollars. What should he have asked for? for your shalaya. Okay, so there's a, uh, so Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yosef are mad at Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai because he didn't answer for what, what he was supposed, well, he didn't answer what he should have answered. All right, but the, this, this is going on, the, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is the hero in this story. Okay, now there's a critique of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai perhaps in the story, but maybe not. Okay, who wants to defend Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai? Mm-hmm. Well, according to our tradition, Yavna was the, the genesis of the Mishnah, which was the genesis of Talmud. And I'm speculating. If we had Yerushalayim, maybe we wouldn't have learned in the style that we supposedly did. I say supposedly because it's critical scholarship that says maybe Yavna didn't even happen. I don't know. Okay. Do you but, hear what's in, pa- what's in everything? That, what's your name? I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed because I just received some and um, I'm a new rabbi. My name is Ken Rosenstein. Ken Rosenstein. Rosenstein. Congratulations. The um, so so Ken's saying he's saying a few things here. One, okay, because there was something great that was going to come out of Yavne, and two, and therefore Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai let go of Yerushalayim because you have to let go of Yerushalayim. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was aware that he. It's not that he didn't think. Uh, Asking for Jerusalem is that he decided not to. He decided to embrace the exile at that point. Crazy. Okay. But that's, so here, we, what are we doing on this day? Okay, here it is, Tisha B'Av. We're remembering that we don't have the Sanhedrin, that we don't have Dine Knassot, that we don't have Dine Mamanot, that we don't have capital punishment, that we don't have, um, that we don't have the temple. And it turns out that in all of those, these cases, we sort of embrace that possibility at the time. What is going on here? Okay, what are we going to do with ourselves? Do I just say like this? If I had, I get it. Okay. On the other hand, if I, <clears throat> the marriage isn't going well. Okay. But when my marriage isn't going well, I've got a great marriage therapist. That I, can, right? So the, that I can turn people to. The I would go for mediation, 
for reforms. I am not going to just throw out the temple. I would try to, with all of those things, right? Like, do you see how we tried to build up two things at once? One, oh my gosh, there was so much to lose. And on the other hand, we, we embraced it. So we embraced the loss. So I want you to just like, why not go for marriage counseling? Why didn't we try to do reforms from within? Um, why did we send ourselves into, uh, why did we send ourselves into voluntary exile? So we're bemoaning the loss of the mechanism of truth, of kapara, the tools for restoring peace, the stability of the purity of the land. We're miserable that we don't have them. On the other hand, we don't have them because things were so terrible, right? There was a punishment of natural consequences. Our own bad behavior brought it upon ourselves on the one hand. On the other hand, we're agents in our own destruction, voluntarily giving up these tools. And we see it with Egla, we see it with those things, with Egla Rufa, with Sota, with Dine Nefesho, with Dine Mamanot. Now we have to say something to Davin for later on when you say, Hashiva Shofteinu Kevarishona. Okay, restore our judges as days of old. This is what we're going for. Dad. Uh, was Yochanan ben Zakkai merely acquiescing in the realities of the situation and perhaps knew that Aspatian would never grant uh, a, a request to leave Jerusalem alone. Rather, he simply said, look, under, under the circumstances, this is the best we can do. Okay, so the, the Gemara answers your, que- answers your answer exactly. So Baruch Shekivatza. That the, uh, <laughs> that, um, but I think that the question sometimes is better than the answer. Right? They, uh, maybe that it's possible. Okay, but it's possible also that Rabbi Yochanan, especially now that I've painted this motif for you. Okay, both things are both things are true, both possibilities. Maybe he couldn't get anyway. As we say, what's the history of what's exactly happened here? Also, um, but uh, maybe it was a best case scenario. Maybe he said, you know what, the law for what I can go build somewhere else, it will be worth it. Um, okay. Um, I don't have a lot of time. I want to do one story that is just so important to me. Um, uh, I wanted to give you a chavurta, but I didn't leave myself time. So let's go back to it. Um, it is source number five. Source number five. You've probably learned it. Maybe not on this day. It's powerful. Um, <laughs> One time, Rabbi Yossi was walking on along the way, and he went, uh, source number five, it's at the bottom of page two, um, that, um, that uh, he, was, he was going, um, he went into one of the destroyed buildings of Jerusalem to, to Davin. This is Rabbi Yossi speaking of himself, okay? And Rabbi, and Eliyahu came, maybe you remember for the good, and guarded me while I doffed. And then, you know, like you thought he was just there to guard, but then it turns out he wanted to have a talk with you. Okay, when Rabbi, he says, he says to me, Shalom Alecha Rabbi, Amarti Lo Shalom Alecha Rabbi Mori. Hello, Eliyahu! My master, my teacher, please to you. Amarli, Bani, Mipnemani Chnasta Lechorvazo. Just out of curiosity, what were you doing going into that Chorva? 
Amarti lo, palel. Did you see me? I went to pray. Amarli, hayalacha palel badera. What? You should have davened on the way. Amarti lo, mitzureiti. Okay, Rabbi Yossi gets, like all of us, gets a little defensive. He says, mitzureiti, shema yifsiku bi, ovreidrachim. I was afraid people would interrupt me while I was davening. People were on the way. Amarli, hayalacha palel you should have davened a short davening. Okay, I learned that we don't go into destroyed places. I learned that you, that you daven on the way, and I learned that you... Um, that when you daven on the way, you daven a short prayer. Okay, let's just take it at the level. Okay, it's like, it's just stam halachas that Eliyahu came along to tell you, but there's something to them. Okay, this is Eliyahu interacting with Rabbi Yossi. Why did Rabbi Yossi go into the Chorvah? He thought it was more holy. What? He thought it was a more holy place to pray. He thought it was a holy place to pray. My son broke his shoulder. We talked about this yesterday. Okay, he broke his shoulder on the first day of summer vacation. First day before summer vacation. Had to cancel all of his plans. When I said to him, why did Rebbe Yossi go into the Chorva? He said he wanted to mope. Okay? <laughs> to mope. He wanted to mope. It's like something terrible happened, and he just wanted to sit there in the misery. He didn't hesitate for a second, right? Like, Because we, we things are... T- when things, in his words, suck, okay? Yeah. It was terrible. So what do we get? We, he, wanted, he wanted to mope. And Eliyahu says to him, the, uh, you want to, you, go ahead. Well, I think he wanted to mope, but also to hear God's response to him okay. personally. Okay, good. Let's get to that. Great. Good. Hold on to it. So he, he went in there because he wanted to mope. And he went in there because he wanted to talk to God. But Eliyahu says to him, pray on the way. What's the way? What does it mean to pray on the way? What? Pray as you go. Pray as you go. What's the way? Where, what? Life. Life. Get back to life. Okay, stop moping. Well, there are a few things you can do. You can, um, oh God, it was hard. You could watch TV. Okay, the World Cup's on. You could take long walks. You at the end, so don't mop, get on the way, just make the best of it. That's what Eliyahu was saying. And he says to him, and 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 the and yet Rabbi Yossi says, but you could pray to but, but people will interrupt me. I won't be able to pray under those circumstances. Pray it's filaktsara. Why it's filaktsara? Why a short prayer? Maybe you won't mope as much if you're you're doing a shorter prayer all time to like well. That's right, you gotta keep it moving because you gotta say little and do much. Tzfilak Tzarah is about, like, don't whine to God about the destroyed temple, okay? Get on your way to rebuilding it and daven less and take and build more, okay? Tzfilak Tzarah is about spending less time in the moping and the moving, more time in the moving forwards, okay? That's the, uh, that's what Eliyahu says. But then, this, but this is crazy, because then what happens, okay, back to you, um, so we so Amarli, Bani Makol. This is still Rebbe, This is still Eliyahu talking to Rabbi Yossi. Amarli Bani Makol Shemata Bechor Vazo. 
What did you hear when you were in that destroyed building? What voice did you hear? I heard God, a divine echo, which was purring like a yona, like a bird, and saying, woe to the children, that because of their sins, I destroyed my own house, and I burnt my own sanctuary, and I, and I exiled them into the na- amongst the nations. Amarli, Eliyahu says to him, Chayecha v'chaye roshecha, I swear on your life. It's not only at that moment that you that God speaks that way. But every single day, three times a day, God says it that way. Three times when God davens and plus every time that the Jewish people Go into the Batei Knesset and the Batei Mitrash. Va'onim, yehei shmei ha-gadol mivorach ha-kadosh baruchu. Every time that we cry out in praise of God, God is minanei rosho, bows his head, nods his head, and says, Ashrei ha-melech shimekalsino tovavei Happy is the king, the ruler who is praised in the ruler's house in this way. Mali la'av. Woe to the father who had to exile his children. And woe to the children that were exiled from their father's table. The, uh, why did he go into the Chorva? Eliyahu says to him, Don't, how could you go into the Chorva? You've got to rebuild. You've got to move forward. You've got to dominate Tfilak And by the way, what happened to you while you were in there? What? You heard God crying for your pain? You heard God crying for your pain, and you heard that God is crying with you three times a day at every moment? Your father... I said this to you already, but I like... I went last week to pick someone up who was on her way to Kevrachel. She was... I was on my way to Kevrachel. And she was a hitchhiker, walking through the checkpoint. She was scared to death. And I, um, she got in the car and she said, I was so scared, I've got seven kids at home. And I said, I was saying, Abba, Abba, I just have to see Ima. I just have to see Ima, take care of me, what about my children? She had to be in that space. And we have to be in that space. (sighs) What's in that space? Okay. So there's two things, and we're feeling them both, which is the terrible tragedy of all of the things that have happened to us and also the way that we have sort of fed into them. I'm, I'm feeling it very profoundly. This, this year, as this, I prepared this class 
some years ago. This year I spent a lot of the year writing about um, sex trafficking and prostitution Mm -hmm. and about sexual harassment. And it's really hard stuff. It's really hard stuff. One of the things that's really hard to know is that more than 80%, some people think 100% of the women who are working, who are selling their sex on the streets, whether you think they're trafficked or, or choosing to sell their sex on the street, were sexually abused as minors. And there's a tendency also amongst rape victims and sexual harassment victims to be victimized over and over again. And there's something that is no one ever asks to be victimized and no one ever deserves to be victimized and there is no excuse not for victimizing someone or you know, thinking you're paying for services of someone who can't really consent. But the, um, but there's, I, we find ourselves in a cycle of being repeatedly victimized. And, and that was, when I read that, you know, as I read these sources again, I couldn't help but, but go to that place. And I want to say that we have to be so careful, right? And that's why this, mo- this day of mourning is not a day of, of feeling like we want to go into sadness and we want to move and we want to be victimized because that's a place where we can feel love from God. No. We want to go to that place because that's a place where we can move to build Yavna. And uh, there's something very, very fruitful in what's the power of the darkness? Why is it that we have to go, uh, you know, with all due respect to light? <laughs> there's something, there's a power to sitting in the dark. That we, and there's a reason why we sit there once a year, and it's not because we want to be victimized again. Okay? It's, uh, Mary Douglas writes about the, uh, the tremendous potential of darkness and desert. And I'll just read you, I didn't put it on this first sheet, I'm just reading one paragraph from her, uh, from her book. Uh, thank you. Um, the, uh, Granted, the disorder spoils pattern. It also provides the material of pattern. Order implies restriction from all possible materials. A limited selection has been made from all possible relations, and a a limited set has been used. So disorder, by implication, is unlimited. No pattern has yet been realized in it, but its potential for patterning is indefinite. That is why, though we seek to create order... We do not simply condemn disorder. We recognize that, it's destruct- that it is destructive to existing patterns, but also that it has potentiality. It symbolizes both danger and power. Ritual recognizes the potency of disorder. In the disorder of the mind, in the minds, in dreams, faints, and frenzies, ritual except- expects to find powers and truths which cannot be reached by conscious effort. Energy to, man- to de- command and special powers of healing come to those who abandon rational control for a time. I got five. The <laughs> she, um, the, uh, 
the uh, luchot. Okay, we we all are aware of makom shabale tshuva. The I'm going. I'm I'm jumping on to sources twelve through 17, eight, 17, 18 in the last three minutes of my class. Okay, the uh, um, Rabbi Abahu says. In the place where Balei Tshuva stand, even the holy righteous cannot stand, right? You're, there's some, once you've been in the darkness, you can get to something that you couldn't get to had you not been there. Um, and we see that in the breaking of the Luchot. Okay? The breaking of the Luchot, I, it's just crazy. I wish I could make it alive for you. But if you imagine God, bring, God gives the Luchot. The Luchot are made, are written by God with the finger of God. And Moshe's holding those and he sees them, and he breaks them on the ground. Um, and, Rebbe, and in source 16, uh, source, what, which source is it? Oh, there it is, it's 14. Um, Reish Lakish says, there are times when the annulments of the Torah may be found, may be the foundation of the Torah, for it is written, which thou did break, right? Asher shivarta. And in, in the words, asher shivarta, you, you hear, yasher koach she shivarta. Uh, the Holy One, blessed be He, said, Yashikoch, Sheshivarta. Okay, you did the right thing. Why did you do the right thing? Because the next set of luchot that are built, on the, way, they're, on the one hand, they're never quite the same. They're not written in the words of God, and they're not built by God. They're built, but they're, they're built by, um, they're, they are, um, they're made by Moshe. But these are the luchot that are enduring. Okay, the second luchot have an ability to endure in a way that the first ones did not endure. And uh, so too, and so we have a power, there's a power, I let go of everything else. There's a power in going to someplace broken and rebuilding, right? From that, getting out of the coffin and going to Yavna, we're able to rebuild something on the ashes that is somehow stronger than we could have done by, by reconstructing, by going into marriage counseling and trying to build, to, to firm up a broken building. So we embrace exile because we believe that we can, we can come out of it in a stronger way, right? We break the luchot. That by breaking the luchot, we feel the power of the luchot. You don't know what you've got till it's gone, but then you know where you're trying to get back to. Um, so we come back, we rebuild, we restore the luchot. We pray for restoration. We're answered, but the restoration, um, we're restoration. We're not yet where we've come from. We're in a place of darkness, and we're still trying, trying, trying to move forwards. We're going to sit with both the ways that sometimes we have to let go in order to come forwards, the ways we don't want, to, we really don't want to be someone who victimizes, who allows herself to be victimized again, or is to, unable to, that's not what it's about. It's about seeing the power of the darkness, hearing the voice of the Yonah, hearing the voice of the Yonah in that place, and then being able to move out of that place Firmly and quickly, and davening on the on the way, and it's filak So my hope for my prayer for all of us is uh, that uh, we still. And I'm going to quote Michael Balzer. He says, "We still believe, or many of us do, 
what the Exodus first taught and what has commonly been taken to teach about the meaning and possibility of politics and about its proper form. First, that wherever you live, it's probably Egypt, meaning we're in exile all the time. Second, that there's a better place, a world more attractive, a promised land. And third, that the way to the land is through the wilderness. There's no way to get there except by joining together and marching. So we want to sit with Rebiosi, right? Both to sit with the depth. Today is the day that we sit in the Chorva. We hear the Yonah Minahemet Vomeritz Oy Levanim. We feel, we cry together with God, and we know that God is crying with us on these days, and we need that. But we need that so that we can get out there, and we can daven, and we can daven quickly, and we can daven on the way, and we can build ourselves to a, to a stronger, stronger place. May it be a day of cheshbon nefesh, a meaningful fast um, for each of us and for our Mr. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Nine Days, Nine Podcasts, a production of Produce North America. If you like what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening.